Hi, Lolodians. My name is Green, and today on After the Show, Adam talks about games as a service. A sensitive topic, even towards the end of 2021, but Adam manages to give us both sides of the issue. This episode was recorded on December 22nd, 2020. I was sick during the recording of the show, so I'm just helping to edit while Adam does the heavy lifting. Adam covers all the news and talks about the PlayStation Store removing Cyberpunk 2077, GOG changing their mind about listing the famous Taiwanese game Detention, and a YouTuber getting Cyberpunk 2077 to run on the Switch. As always, if you like what we do, please follow, like, and subscribe to all our social media at Middle Age Gaming 2020. If it really does help and makes a huge difference. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome back. It is the after the show. Today is episode, I don't quite know the number off the top of my head, but we are talking about live streaming. So unfortunately, I am here alone today because Korean has the flu. So he is unable to stream and that is why I'm going to be all by my lonesome today. So I'm going to do my best to carry the show to the best of my ability. So hopefully this is still going to be an enjoyable experience for you and myself. So how about we go and get right in? So as I said before, today's episode is going to be about live service games. So is this a good thing for the industry? Is it a bad thing for the industry? But first of all, what is a live service game? Well, a live service game is a trend that we see quite often nowadays. And what that basically means is that when a game is released, that is not the full version of the game. And I'm not talking about patches or DLC or that sort of thing. No, a live service game is a game that continuously changes over time. Okay, so these are games that are constantly getting new content and not just content in the sense that new story and that sort of thing, but new events that are currently you know, recurring over and over and over again. Good examples of live service games might be something like Destiny, which has seasonal events, but then occasionally they also have something like uh, Iron Banner, where it is a special PvP event where you can compete and get special things. Another great example of a live service game would be Fortnite, which has all these different events you know, that tie in with other things like Marvel, or they had an event where you could drive around in giant mech robots and that sort of thing. So these are the examples of live service games that we have currently are mostly online multiplayer games. However, there are some single player games that also are in a way live service games. For example, the Assassin's Creed games recently has been for the last few games Will they where they will release an event where it's available for a month. You try to complete it. You might get some special stuff. And then after that month, it is gone and you just have to hope that it comes back. Currently in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, they are celebrating Yuletide. So there is a Yuletide event that you can play in the game. You can unlock some special stuff. But after Christmas uh, or sometime in January, that is going to be gone. So, yeah. So these are live service events in games. Now, why do creators want them why do they have them we'll get into that later because we're going to start off with the news so let's jump in right into that so basically uh, my first news article is probably something that is related to something that i'm going to get into a little bit later that i talked about earlier in this week so the first thing is that psn has now removed cyberpunk if you have a playstation 4 or even a playstation 5 you can no longer digitally buy cyberpunk and sony is offering refunds to anybody that has now if you don't take them up on that offer you can keep the game and in fact 
it is still being updated. So CD Projekt Red will send you up, or you will be downloading updates to hopefully fix the game. But until the game is in a more stable state, Sony has decided that it is best to not even offer it on their platform. And more current or more recently, Xbox has also jumped in on the refund bandwagon and they are offering refunds as well. And as I saw earlier this morning, uh, CD Projekt is in a lot of trouble for this because even now their investors are filing a class action lawsuit because of the losses that they have incurred in their stock prices. So their stock has gone down considerably after this whole fiasco. Now, you may not be familiar, or you probably should be, but just in case you're not familiar with what's happening and why all this is happening, I mean, Sony delisting a game is a huge deal. Why would they do that? Uh, well, the reason is, is because, quite frankly, Cyberpunk doesn't work on legacy consoles. And I guess that's what we're going to be calling the PS4 and the Xbox One now are legacy consoles. But it just doesn't work properly. The, yeah, you know, you have pop-in effects that are not supposed to happen. Physics is acting weird. You have people not rendering correctly. So they look like these little clay model characters from the PS2 era. I mean, it looks even worse than... PS4 games or even PS3 games in some cases. And because of that, it's just super glitchy. It's super, and, and in some cases, unplayable. There are glitches in the game, such as uh, I saw one person complaining about there was a part where they had to complete a side quest and to do it, they had to go into a club and there was a glitch with the bouncer of the club where they got into this loop where they would just not let them into the club. So every time they tried to walk through the door, this bouncer would push them away. And because of it, they just could not finish this quest and i guess the bouncer at a, another point in the game is supposed to do this kind of reaction to you and then maybe you're not supposed to have access to it or maybe he's just supposed to do it once i don't know but every time they would approach him he would do it again and they just couldn't get in so because of that the game just released in this really unfinished state and it has just caused all sorts of trouble the developers of the game itself are mad because they said that the people in charge released it too early uh, however, at the same time, I kind of feel that this is a really bizarre situation and I don't really know who to feel bad for and who to blame. I mean, the comparison is, is they said that this game was going to release at a certain date and it was delayed and then it was delayed again and then it was delayed again to the point where the meme became that it was going to be released in 2077. That's how long it would take to finally finish this game. But it did eventually release. And when it did, obviously, it was extremely, extremely glitchy and it had a lot of problems with it. Now, people who are running it on high-end PCs are saying they are not having too many issues. People running it on the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 are saying it's not that bad. But people on the older consoles, not happy. And it's also worth noting that every single time they showed demo footage of the game, it was always on the PC version. They never showed us ps4 or xbox one footage of the game so a lot of people were saying that the advertising was misleading and that they basically lied to the people by saying this is the game you're going to get but they didn't tell them that this is the game you're going to get if you have a high-end pc everybody else is going to be toned down so the reason i'm not quite sure who to feel bad for in this situation is because Yes, the developers are right. You know, it should have they should have waited for it to be done. However, it was already delayed multiple times. Some people are saying now we might have to wait until February to get a full version of this game. And 
the way I see it is it's kind of like if somebody said, I'm going to build you a house. And so you say, you know, build me a house. And they say, I'm going to build you a house. It's going to take me six months, right? And then things happen six months down the line. Sorry, we're not quite ready yet. Or, you know, five months down the line, we're not quite ready yet. We're going to need an extra two months to finish this house, you know. So we're going to finish it in, you know, another two months. So eight months now, right? Eight months comes around. Yeah, it's still not ready. We need another two months. Fine. Ten months down the line. Give us a little more time. So now it's a year. You know, it was supposed to release six months. Now it's a year. It's been six months since the six months it was supposed to release, right? So anyway, it was supposed to release on this time. And then it's finally released. You're like, all right, great. You move into your house. And suddenly the electricity is not working the way you thought it was going to. The plumbing is not properly hooked up and that sort of thing. So in this instance, who would you blame? Would you blame the contractor because they made a promise that couldn't be fulfilled? Would you blame the builders because they, you know, we issued the amount of time and there was an expectation that they should have been able to finish it in time. And granted, maybe they came across issues that they were not foreseeing, but they were supposed to have this product done and they didn't have it done. So it's it's kind of a hard thing. And I mean, I think in most cases here, people would probably blame the contractor and say, you know, you shouldn't have promised me if you couldn't have had it done. But in the contractor's defense, maybe they thought based on previous buildings that the develop, uh, that the builders could have finished in this much time. And that was a reasonable amount of time. So Cyberpunk's kind of a similar thing. You know, the developers clearly say it's not ready yet. Now, is it not ready yet because they didn't, they never had enough time to finish it? Or is it not ready yet because they ran into issues that they didn't foresee and it ended up taking much longer than they had planned? And if that's the case, can we really be mad at the, uh, you know, at the higher ups for saying it's going to take this long, you know, when they had what they thought were realistic expectations of its development. So I'm not really sure who to blame here and who to feel bad for. But most of the blame is falling on these higher ups who basically said that this game was going to be released on time and then pushed it out when it wasn't ready. And as I said, investors are now filing a class action lawsuit. I've heard that developers are looking into um, some sort of maybe compensation or something to basically say this isn't our fault this is your guys's fault so this has been a really bad week for cd project red but not just cd project red cd project as a whole because and i commented on this earlier in the week they have been having a second debacle in the works that just started a few days ago so basically what happened was gog or good old games came out and said uh well they didn't say anything Red Candle, which is a de- Taiwanese developer who created the games Detention and Devotion. Check out Detention. It's on Netflix now. You can watch the show. Uh, so they created this game Devotion. And in the game Devotion, there was an asset that on the asset, it had the words Xi Jinping, Winnie the Pooh, moron or idiot or your mom's a moron, that sort of thing. So they had this asset and nobody's noticed it for a really, really long time and or not a really long time, but a long enough time. Nobody noticed it. And the game was getting great reviews. People were loving it all over the world. People were loving it in China even. But eventually somebody did find that asset on the wall. And not only was it an asset on the wall, it was the kind of asset that you can click on and it'll bring up this nice big splash kind of image that you can kind of read it really up close. 
And so what happened is because it said this, Chinese players, gamers got really upset and they just started review bombing this game back when it was on Steam. And because of these, because of this, Red Candle Game took the game down. They said that they were going to patch out the offending asset and they did. So they got rid of it. And basically they said, well, when we do art, we hire or we hire, you know, private people. And this was just supposed to be a stand in thing. You know, they were they put it in there, but they were supposed to swap it out later. Somebody just forgot to swap it out, you know, because it is just a small thing on the wall. Nobody really noticed people in the tech industry, especially programmers, do like to put in a lot of these little jokes and memes and stuff in games. Uh, so there's a lot of this kind of hidden stuff that you're probably never going to see because most of it's in the code. But in this case, it was hidden in an asset and they never removed it. And so it, it caused all this bad press and then they got rid of it. So problem solved, right? Wrong. So because the game was so reviewed badly on Steam that it just never got re-released and Red Candle's been trying to re-release this game for a long time. Well, what they ended up doing was, I guess they had worked out a deal with GOG where they were going to release the game. So they came out and they said, good news, everyone. You know, good news, everyone. And that was a terrible Professor Farnsworth. I'm sorry for that impression. But anyway, they released a tweet saying this game is going to come out on GOG. You can pick it up. This is the date. These are the prices in the UK. These are the prices in America. Everybody get excited, right? Great. Well, not even a day later, GOG released a tweet saying that the game would not be released on their platform because they had been receiving messages from gamers telling them not to do it. So this is kind of a strange thing. Now, why would gamers say, I don't want to play this game and I don't want anybody else to either. So get rid of it. Don't let anybody in the world ever see this game. That's kind of a strange thing and selfish. So, yeah, the fact that this came out, a lot of people were very suspect suspect because when Red Candle originally released their news, it was said by it was or there are a lot of people were retweeting it. People loved it. People thought it was great. Everyone was super, super happy. Everybody was there was a lot of praise for it. And if you go through their Twitter feed, there was basically nothing negative. Or if there were, there were extremely few. Most of it was overall positive. And the fact that GOG came out and said that they had been receiving messages from gamers saying that they didn't want this game released, so don't release it. That was very, very strange. So a lot of people were suspecting that this is probably either they were receiving messages from Chinese nationals who were really pushing them or maybe even the government itself that was pushing them not to release this game. Or this is just a case of self-censorship where they are basically saying we don't want to have to worry about this we're actually kind of scared now that it's coming out and we're got a little bit nervous and so let's make a scapegoat and say it was the gamers that asked us not to do it so yeah so they're basically now sorry this game is not going to be released on gog so if you want to get this game it's going to be very hard to get but Fun fact, uh, I have been trying to stream three times a day. Monday, Tuesday, I will be streaming from my PS5. And Friday, I will be streaming from my PC because that's the only way I can triple stream currently. So a few weeks ago, I did Portal and I was planning on doing that. But I have acquired a copy of 
Devotion, the game that is banned and that you cannot get. So I will be playing that game this Friday and for until it takes for me to finish it. So I will be streaming the game. So if you do want to support Red Candle and you do want to support, you know, this game should be out there. Feel free to come along and take a look at it and, you know, check it out and see for yourself if it's really as offensive as uh, you think. So feel free to check that out. Now, there is one last piece of news. I unfortunately do not have a card for it, but this is Crean's news. So Crean's news was, fun fact, a YouTuber got Cyberpunk 2077 running on a Nintendo Switch. How, you ask? By cheating. Yes, it's not actually running on a Nintendo Switch, but it is kind of running on a Nintendo Switch. So basically what happened was this YouTube gamer figured out a way to install kind of Android on this Nintendo Switch. It has a similar setup to some of these other architectures and whatnot. So basically what he did is he got Switch to run Stadia Basically, so what he could do is he could then run Cyberpunk 2077 through his switch in the same sense that you would be able to run Cyberpunk through Google Stadia. So in that sense, yes, he did get Cyberpunk 2077 to run on the switch. Is it running natively on a switch? No, it's not doing that. It's kind of a a funny little workaround. But if you go off and you watch his video, uh, I do have I do not have a link on me here. However, if uh, you just look it up and we'll send out maybe the news link later so you guys can check that out yourself. If you have a switch, go ahead and I believe he does actually instruct you on how to set up your switch so that you can do the same. So if you have a switch and you would love to play Cyberpunk 2077 on it and you're not too worried about, you know, messing around with the with the parts and whatnot, go ahead and check it out and you can play Cyberpunk yourself. All right. And uh, Korean thought this was great news because... Our old video editor, or our old video editor, our current video editor, she's always our video editor. Uh, she told him about Assassin's Creed Odyssey running on her Switch. And it says here she didn't complain about any technical stuff beyond not liking the game. So I guess Assassin's Creed isn't really her cup of tea. But in terms of, you know, stuttering, frame rate, that sort of thing, whatnot, then she's all that was okay. So if you can do this, then you can stream things through your switch in the same way that you could stream things stream things through your Android device. So, and in his opinion, this is why the switch is one of the best selling consoles because you can do fun things like this. And there will be a certain percentage of the public who doesn't care about graphics and just wants to play the game. However, because you are streaming graphics, isn't a huge concern because all of that graphical prowess is being run on a system remotely. So you don't have to worry too much about your switch having to work too hard in that sense. And he imagines that more games will be streamed straight to the Switch in the future. So who knows? Maybe we'll get Google Stadia on the Switch at some point. Uh, I know Microsoft and Nintendo have been building a fairly solid relationship. Uh, obviously, we saw that they were some of the first two to do cross-platform together with the original uh, Minecraft Bedrock Edition. So who knows? Maybe we'll see... Xbox, uh, maybe we'll see the Game Pass on Nintendo at some point. Who knows? Uh, and what's the impact for the gamers or the public? There's no uh, impact in the short term, but it could mean possible crossplay for more games in the future. And it would give the Switch greater access to, to AAA games 
or double A games for the so-called casual gamer, because now obviously they can stream these games that they couldn't have done before. So now what we're going to do is we are going to start on our sensitive topic today, which is live service gaming. So as I've already told you, we've already gone over what live service gaming is. And yeah, so basically, like I said before, the games that are currently doing this are games like, say, uh, mostly online multiplayer PvP style games. So, you know, Destiny, Fortnite, The Division, Final Fantasy XIV, World of Warcraft, these sort of games. And Crean here, I'll read his notes for you. So his first experience was with the original Division. It came out and it had so many issues. And as weeks and months went by, it got so much better. And it had a cre- it created kind of an addictive game loop. But then there are other games uh, when this is utilized badly. So he says Shadow of War is a great example. I'm not quite sure what Shadow of War did as a live service, but apparently Korean was not too impressed with it. And this does kind of go into what was happening with Cyberpunk, where it used to be that when you released a game, that was it. That's all you had. Now, you know, ever since the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, We've been able to patch games remotely over the internet. And because of that, we've seen a lot of games that basically are released with day one patches, which, by the way, Cyberpunk uh, CD Projekt Red did announce at one point that the game would not be coming with a day one patch. And then immediately it did have a day one patch. So that's another thing that they said it was not going to have that it did. But basically now a lot of people feel that because of it, some developers have actually become quite lazy because they don't have to release a completed game. Because when they release it, they can now, a lot of people say, thank you, you know, thank you for letting me play the beta. You know, they, people feel like we're player testing the game and then they'll patch in and fix things later. And a lot of people don't like that model because it does create issues. I mean, for example, my personal example that I would always use is Mass Effect Andromeda. You know, when that game came out and it did have issues, it did have graphical issues and whatnot and that game was just torn apart before it was even released and they did patch most of those problems within the first few weeks of the game i mean i got the game right on release and i saw maybe a couple problems and then they were gone because they were patched out so it was pretty quick on the patch on that one but the damage was already done the game you know people had already judged it based on what it had originally come out and because of that they didn't really want to give it a chance. It got terrible reviews. And then Bioware just completely abandoned the game altogether. They canceled all the DLC. They decided to not go anywhere further with it. Another example was Bioware again. Anthem. Anthem came out and was supposed to be a live service game. So the base game itself kind of came out bare bones. And then the idea was we will add in raids later. We will add in dungeons later. We will add in more content later. So people are going to jump in. Everybody's going to buy the game. That's going to give us an influx of cash. And when we have all that cash, we're going to use that cash to develop more content for players so that that will keep, you know, that'll encourage more players to start coming in and that'll keep the cash flowing. We'll either do microtransactions or we'll do uh, just regular content that people have to update or that sort of thing. But when Anthem came out, some people tried it out. And because it was so bare bones, a lot of people said, hey, you know, this game, don't get it now. Wait until it comes out and, you know, wait, wait for a few months. Wait for it to have more stuff. Wait for it to have more content. Wait for it to have more things to do. 
pick it up then because right now it is kind of bare bones. So let's wait for them to add more things. But because they didn't have that influx of cash with people buying it because people were waiting on it, they didn't develop more stuff and the game stagnated and they said they were coming out with a 2.0, but to date we don't have a, a release date on that. We don't know when it's coming out. We don't know when or if we're going to see it at this point. So yeah, Anthem is effectively dead at this point until, or at least in an extreme sense of cryostasis or hibernation, because we do not have news on when it's going to come out. So in that respect, live, live, uh, not live action and not live streaming, live service games can be a bit problematic. However, it can work to tremendously great effect. And an example of this would be Monster Hunter World. In Monster Hunter World, basically what happens is you they released a full game and it was supposed to be a full game. And so a lot of people had a lot to do, but then they would update it with not necessarily adding more content, but adding specific things to do. So you could unlock special outfits that are based on certain characters or you can, you know, have special monsters. Every now and then they'll release a new monster and it's uh, from their long library of monsters that are not currently in the game. Then they'll add those back in and that'll give people something to do and they'll hunt this, you know, rare monster that showed up and then eventually that monster will fly away and disappear until another time. So, you know, you have to jump on top of it when it's there. And for a game like Monster Hunter, it has worked out really, really, really well. And a lot of people have absolutely loved it and have had a lot of fun with it. And it's worked out great. Now, the difference here is that Monster Hunter basically released as the base game saying this is going to be the base game and we will add more content if we can. And if we can't, at least you have the game. In the cases of, say, Anthem, it was very much we're going to release the game and when you buy it, then we'll add more content. And that's where people really don't like this model of live service kind of gaming is that it is really reliant on us. And it kind of puts the responsibility of the game on the gamer saying, well, you can't have it because you didn't buy it or you didn't play it or you didn't do this. And so, I mean, granted, you can't play it if you don't buy it, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we'll give you half a product and we want you to pay for the full product and then we'll give you the full product if everybody else buys it, you know, and, 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 and that's kind of a real problem. The other problem with live service games is right now it's just really hard to keep up with it. I mean, these games are constantly coming out with new content. And if you're not out there, you know, on top of it, you miss out. And it does kind of make it sometimes stressful when you have, you know, 50 games or, not 50, but five different games that all have events at the same time. And you want to jump on them. I'm, right now, I was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and I found out that Ghost of Tsushima uh, Legends is releasing currently new content where if you play as any of the four classes in any game mode, you can unlock a special outfit that's based on another character from another sony franchise so if you play as the hunter you can get gear that is reminiscent reminiscent of aloy in 
Horizon Zero Dawn. If you play as the samurai, you will get gear that's reminiscent of Kratos. If you play as the, not the ninja, what are they called? The assassin. The assassin, you will get gear that's based off of Shadow of the Colossus. And if you play as the Ronin, you will get gear that's based off of Bloodborne. So by playing this game, you can unlock those things. And I saw that and I was like, wow, you know, I am pretty much done with Ghost of Tsushima. But I really did enjoy the multiplayer. So I reinstalled the game just so I could play it, just so I could access those things. And then and this is a that feedback loop. This is that kind of, you know, this is an addiction in a way. And live service games really do kind of feed on that addiction part of our mind. You know, you have to be here. You have to unlock these things. You have to do this. And it really sucks people in. And the reason that developers do this is, quite frankly, money. If you release a game and you're finished and then you get you know, you want people to come back, you have to make a new game. So then they would have to buy your new game. So you're constantly make a new game, they buy the game, make a new game, you buy the game, make a new game, you buy the game. With live service, you make a new game, they buy the game, and then you just give them small things over and over and over again that basically keep people in the loop of that one game. So they're not moving on to other material. And yeah, it can be really kind of stressful because, you know, if you have a bunch of different games competing for your time, if you're somebody like me who's a completionist, that can eat up a lot of your time. So that's one of the downsides to it. Now, obviously, there are going to be cases like in MMOs, such as World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, where these things are expected because the whole point is that the world is supposed to be perpetual. But in single player games like Assassin's Creed, do you really need to keep coming back and playing the same game? I mean, you know, you're not really gearing up or anything. The real reason is to keep you in the game, because if they can keep you in the game, they can keep you paying for those sweet, sweet microtransactions. And so that is where it is. It's all in there in the money. So definitely live services can be used to great effect. They can be really great. They can be a lot of fun. We can really enjoy them. But at the same time, there is kind of blowback now where a lot of gamers are kind of saying, you know, enough is enough. I can do with a few live service games, but just so many of them. And a lot of them do end up looking like these huge cash grabs where it's just, I'm going to give you bare bones content and you're going to have to pay me money. And then I'll give you the real experience later on down the road, which is why Hello Games is another great example of a wonderful thing. Because when No Man's Sky did release, it was bare bones. They've been updating it consistently and not once have they had you pay for any of those updates. All those updates are completely free. And so I really have to commend Hello Games once again on the fantastic job that they have done. They dropped the ball at the beginning, but they stuck to their, you know, they stuck to their guns and they kept with it. And so, you know, good on you guys. Great job. So, yeah, this episode is a little bit shorter because we're not really having a discussion. Unfortunately, Crean can't be here with me, so I have to do everything on my own. And because of that, it's just going to kind of keep everything a little bit shorter because we can't have that back and forth, which is too bad. But with that, I had a lot of fun talking about it. Hopefully you guys had a lot of fun listening. Uh, so go ahead and leave us some comments on the videos, or you can always contact us at Twitter at Gaming Aged, Facebook at Middle Aged Gaming 2020, Instagram at Middle Aged Gaming, or you could just email us directly at Middle Aged Gaming 2020 at gmail.com. So feel free to contact us. Let us know what you think. 
What's your ideas on live service gaming? Was there an aspect that I didn't really go over that you thought, you know what, live live services is a great thing and this is why. Why didn't you talk about that? Or if there's something where you know you think like, no, 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 you're you're being way too easy on it. It's 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 a horrible thing, and you really should have addressed this because this is this is why it's awful. Go ahead and leave us comments there and let us know what you think. So uh, yeah, check us out. And we are trying to improve the visibility of our content. So we really do enjoy those thumbs up on YouTube videos and we do enjoy the likes on Facebook. So please go ahead and click those. And if you uh, like what we do or you know somebody else who might also like it, please forward this uh, video straight over to them uh, along with our, some of our other videos so they can get a look at Korean as well. And we want to build a great media platform for gamers like us who enjoy a variety of content. We really want to interact with you guys. So please interact with us as well. I don't want to be like those live service gamers, right? You know, hey, you interact with us and we'll interact with you back. No, we're giving you this content first and hopefully you guys will come and see us soon. So thank you all for coming and we'll see you all later.